Hello, everybody out there in uh, podcast listening land. My name is Jeff Arbuckle. This is Film Seizure. And uh, this month, we are going to do uh, basically some uh, some guilty pleasure type of flicks. Um, and uh, we've got we picked ourselves uh, three. Each one of the regular hosts uh, picked one. And then we kind of have one that we fight about at the end of the month. It's, it's real, <laughs> real fun. Um, so uh, anyway, with me, as always, Chuck Moore. Chuck, say hi to everybody. Whatever. Okay, there you I go. I mean, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we have Jason Oliver. Jason. Hey, 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 how you doing? I was just saying, I was just thinking, man, I've been letting all my hair on the top of my head grow during the last year and chuck has let all the hair on the bottom of his head grow <laughs> during the last year. if you guys could always see us this is hilarious <laughs> i don't have any hair to grow on my head so. <laughs> if you could do a hair transplant though and you have a full head of hair on your chin it's awesome it, it's <laughs> kind of like that it's, it's like uh what was the the magnetic thing with the little pin and the <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 just like kind of like that yeah exactly yeah um also with us uh for these first two weeks of our guilty pleasure month we are bringing back mr joe Berryhill. joe how's it going pretty good man thanks for having me back yeah absolutely um i think you were looking for more punishment for some of the um what what are you pointing at jody's put his his no, microphone he's down no he's going through the no he's going through computer. oh okay yeah. All right. It sounded weird. I was just saying <laughs> you missed that part <laughs> earlier. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. So Joe, uh, you know, he's he's had an interesting track record with us by suggesting movies that, uh, that some of us like more than others. Um, and by some of us, I mean me and Days of Thunder uh, and the rest of you. Not at all, uh, which is fine. <laughs> Uh, because he I also don't even think Joe liked the movie he suggested, I which know. is hilarious. <laughs> I know. But what Both was funny, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but back in uh, like back in February, when the rain delay was going on for the um, Daytona 500, they played a documentary about Days of Thunder. I watched that actually. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Joe was like, Hey, why don't you bring me on and, uh, you know, and, and kind of, you know, sock it to me, basically. And we were <laughs> like, well, how about some, how, how about instead we do something pleasant and we talk about some guilty pleasure movies instead. And he's like, yeah, sure. That's cool. I'll do that. <laughs> I was like, I'll do that. I'll do that. I was, I'm tired of building up the bank of bad that I that will be unleashed upon me. So I'm like, you guys can choose it this time. Well, it should, be noted, it should be noted that we gave him the choice of all four of this month's movies, and and uh, this week and next week are the ones he chose. So he he deliberately chose not to participate in Last Action Hero or Dick Tracy, which we do at the end. Which of the month. which might be which is funny because it's like. I think probably generally speaking, those are probably the most divisive movies when it comes to yeah. like the public. Whereas like these movies are either you like them or you don't. Um, or as in the case with this week's episode, which we will get to here momentarily, it's mostly forgotten, I would say, uh, or largely forgotten. By there are elements of this, of it, which of course we'll get into that. I think people remember, but they don't even yes. necessarily remember where it's from <laughs> yes exactly yeah so uh yeah so this week uh was my selection for this and this is something that i've been for 
gosh, Jason, probably since the beginning, I was like, man, I want to talk about this movie. And, uh, and that is, uh, the Mike Myers vehicle, which it absolutely is. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, um, uh, sugarcoat it. It is 100% a Mike Myers vehicle as it turned out. Uh, so I married an ax murder from 1993 and, um, in a couple of weeks, you're going to hear Jason talk about how Last Action Hero made him feel like he was 14 all over again. This movie made me feel like I was 16 all over again. Um, and I unabashedly love everything about this movie. <laughs> um, I know it's not that great. I know it's very much of its time. I know it is um, being very much of its time and also it being... Um, kind of one of those movies that I think spawned a lot of these other Saturday Night Live alumni uh, mug fests, I would call them, where it's just, here's the Saturday Night Live person, let them mug at the camera for 90 minutes. Um, I, this one, I still think is the best outside of like obviously Wayne's World is another that's a whole other level you think this is better than Blues Brothers I don't actually have that much uh, nostalgia for Blues Brothers it's okay but I don't I don't that's not a movie that I love necessarily what I think is but but I am also I will let me let me clarify something also Blues Brothers and Wayne's World I think are are different because these are actually carrying out characters from Saturday Night Live what I'm talking about is like nowadays you have a will ferrell comedy that i don't think has a script ever and he just mugs at the camera for 90 minutes that's the type of movie i'm talking about like this one yeah i was gonna say that um this to me feels like one of the more early versions of uh of like a saturday night saturday night live cast member who became very popular who got to do something that wasn't already tied to an snl property yeah. Right. I mean, he made it right in between Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. To me, it kind of feels like it was it was a bit more of a passion project, probably, for him. Um, well. Actually, it isn't. There's a whole backstory what, to this. What's that Salami guy, too? I know he's... Uh, he, Thomas Salami? Yeah. Uh, Tom, walk Thomas and Talk Schlamme. Man? Walk and yeah. Talk guy who worked with... Uh, the Aaron Sorkin guy. Uh, Aaron Sorkin's guy. Yeah, this movie actually began um, several years before as a Woody Allen movie, uh, as yeah, a Woody Allen sense. acted movie uh then it passed through a few other people and it eventually landed on mike myers because wayne i guess i guess i guess when when i when i think about passion i think about you know clearly all the scottish stuff is him oh yeah yeah after after it got to him he asked for things that he actually asked for things to be a little bit like some dramatic stuff where you could actually not just be telling a joke but also all of the Scottish stuff was like, Hey, these are just little bits that we can throw in to punch up the, the comedic element. Um, And I think that that's maybe where a lot of people kind of criticize this movie is that it never lands on whether or not it wants to be a bunch of jokey jokes, or if it wants to be a dark comedy. And I think that's where it's like, it's either going to be a dark rom-com or a jokey joke movie. And then it tried to be both. And I think that I think yeah. that I think the reason for that is Mike Myers himself, probably the way he he plays his character, not the way he plays his father, etc. Just yep, Mike Myers's character. Yes, um, yeah, Charlie. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, and we'll talk a little bit more later about like uh, 1993 was a was a well, and I'm assuming it probably was for Chuck too. 1993 was a uh, was a very specific year in my coming of age story because that was, you know, I had a license that summer. And when I used to walk to the movie theater, now I could drive to the movie theater at night or during the day, or, you know, I was, I was basically kind of untethered at that point. And um, I, this was one of those summers in which I saw a lot of movies and a lot of different types of movies. Not only was I seeing things like last action hero, which we'll talk, about in a couple of weeks or in a few weeks uh but i was seeing things like jurassic park i was seeing things like this the fugitive came out that summer i it was a pretty uh wide-ranging summer and i was going to see as much of it as i possibly could um chuck were you were you here in indiana in 93 no i actually didn't arrive here until 95 Middle so you weren't working at you weren't working at the Lowe's when this came out. No, I was not. I was still in. We were still in high school, man. Well, I thought you might have been working in, you know, like I was or something. High. Yeah, I didn't work much, and I worked at a pizza place and I washed dishes. But I did see this movie in the theater in 1993, and I loved it. Yes. Um, so okay, this is where let's let's real quick. Um, so Chuck and I, we had talked about this as being one that we were, you know, whenever I brought this up, you were like, yeah, I like that movie a lot too. Does it hold up for you that same way? Not entirely. I still really like it. Um, I think the thing that I subtly brought up earlier that I just have a lot of problems with the Mike Myers character itself, not anything that surrounds him, just him, the way he, I wish he was more of a straight man and he played more characters outside of him. So you're thinking, yeah, you're, well, yeah, that makes sense because you're talking like, like how Eddie Murphy played coming to America, the original coming to America where he's a straight man, but there's the crazy people around him. Like when he goes into the barber shop or something like that. Yes. That's a great example of it. I don't think that coming to America is a great movie, but that's the way I would think that this should have played more of yeah, that's that's fair. Enough. I think you kind of you kind of know exactly what you're in for with Mike Myers in this movie from the very first scene with the giant coffee and him just kind of like almost breaking the the third wall and it's just like oh that's this is a bad joke and that's a very Mike Myers uh, SNL joke. It's almost like a, a Wayne joke, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, and, and 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 it's like oh I want a little less of that throughout this movie, right? <laughs> and, and I do think that later it does settle into that. I think that, um, you know, and like there are a few times that he doesn't just break the third wall. He also breaks the fourth wall, like when he gets kicked in the nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, anyway, um, I could talk for hours about that rooftop scene. I already told you guys I could go for three hours about that rooftop scene. Uh, but um, no, it's, uh, no, I get that um, because I remember that's one of those things again it's it's very much of its time that type of Mm -hmm. that type of opening i will say though that i will be very disappointed if i ever go to san francisco and it isn't exactly like this movie um it is a lot like this movie (laughs) 
Fantastic. I'm I going mean, next Alcatraz summer. Alcatraz is there. <laughs> yeah. Hartman isn't it's, alive anymore. Oh, I was going to say, is Vicky there? there? Um, no, uh, Joe, as, Which, as we, of... I, I can't wait to talk about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, that was something that was like, that was in the trailers. And so, like, like they were like, we got to, we got to harness this Phil Hartman gold here. Um, but, Joe, as kind of younger, had you seen this movie like when you were a kid or this was the first time i actually sat down and watched the entire movie front to back i've seen parts here and there growing up on tv honestly the the previews made it look very stupid when i was a kid i was in middle school when it came out so i'm not exactly the target audience especially like you guys were saying um you know, is it the wacky comedy or is it like the dark rom-com kind of thing? Um, it, it, it really didn't appeal to me. So I had never seen it all the way through. I didn't see it when it came out either, Joe. Um, I think I was in eighth grade. Like I was definitely more into last action hero than I was. So I married an ax murder in 19 mm-hmm. Jurassic park. Right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until a couple years later that I saw it. I think I watched it on VHS or something and, and I thought it was funny. Um, I was definitely, I was definitely like my butt was in the seat for Wayne's world the year before though. Oh yeah. So the sure. movie was on my radar, but it did it. I agree with you, Joe, when it was, when it kind of hit the, the previews and everything, it just didn't look like something I would like. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, Way more offbeat than something like a Wayne's world or yeah. whatever. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. I think also there is that rom-com element to it also that, you know, like Chuck and I had said that, you know, when, when, like some movies came out like last action here and you'll hear more about this here in a couple in a few weeks but um we felt we were a little too old at the time and probably it either didn't appeal to us the right way or we were expecting something else from it whereas you guys may have been a little bit too young to like whereas chuck and i were probably a little bit more of the right age up through the mid twenties or something for a comedy that had a more romantic heart to it. Um, and I think that that probably, that, that probably tracks, I would say most people younger probably, and it doesn't even have to be that much younger. I mean, you guys are only a few years younger than us, you know? So it, it, it mattered that mattered in your teens and right. you know, a lot less now than it did. Had right. I seen it, um i probably would have enjoyed it yeah um i definitely would have i mean the rooftop scene alone yeah um everything <laughs> with anthony lapaglia and uh, alan arkin would have hit for me at 14 for sure <laughs> uh, yeah so I, yeah. I would have i would have come away probably quite liking it but um but yeah i was like with joe it just it didn't seem like my thing at the time i think yeah. also this movie had I think Mike Myers was really, really, really the big reason why I really like this movie just spoke to me immediately. Mike Myers was always my favorite Saturday Night Live person. Um, And this was my favorite period of Saturday Night Live. In fact, actually, once like Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman and Kevin Nealon and then a little bit later than that, you had Chris Farley and Adam Sandler and um david spade when they all left i didn't really watch saturday night i haven't watched saturday night live regularly since then 
Um, That's interesting. I had an internal struggle because I am and was a huge Dana Carvey fan. <laughs> um, and Mike Myers was stealing sketch time for Dana Carvey, like in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. And it kind of, I don't know, it struck a nerve with me. So I, it took me a while to come around to Mike Myers and be like, okay, this guy deserves it. You know, yeah. I wanted the church lady more. I wanted, sure. you know, all that stuff. Well, I, I always liked Garth more than Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Me well, too. And, yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And, and a lot of that was that Wayne was kind of the quote unquote straight man of the dude. Of right. The dude. right. Uh, exactly. But this also hit during a time where it's like, okay, you got the, the two Wayne's world movies, the three Austin powers movies, this movie, I was on board for every single one of those because of Mike Myers, even to the point where I actually have a tiny bit of appreciation for the love guru. Um, I haven't seen it. It is really bad. (laughs) I will honestly say though, I don't think I truly became like a Mike Myers fan until Austin Powers. Those movies won me over. They're, they're impossible to to dislike. Yeah. Um, Especially the first two. Yeah. Um, Agreed. But I mean, because gold members clearly not as strong as the other two, but still it makes me laugh more than the other two. in in some scenes, some of the gold member scenes are like the best of the series, but the entire movies of one and two are better films. Yeah. The original watching it now, it was a pretty slow movie compared to the others, um, especially two and three. Like those are like high octane. They're, (laughs) they're going, they're joke, joke a minute kind of thing. Watching the first one again, it's like, man, this, this took a while to get going when it does. It's great. Um, The first one's like seventies, James Bonds. And then the the next two are like late eighties. Yeah. James Bond type rips. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think definitely also the first one was like, really wanting to establish like, here are all of those James Bond tropes and so on. Not only that, but it's and of course, this is an episode all about Austin Powers. But at the same time, it's like you get all those first reveals of all these characters too. Right. So so that plays a lot better the first time through than it does again. Right. But by the time you get to the sequels, you just want to get right to those characters. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So. All right. So this movie. Um, so this is about a guy named Charlie McKenzie, who is Mike Myers, who is a um, he is uh, scared of commitment, which that was a very that was a very 90s thing. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, like, because nowadays it's like you don't really see that in these types of comedies anymore, where you have the person who's essentially running twenty away- something. Yeah, right. Who's who's afraid of being, you know, uh, uh, tied down to anything or whatever? Uh, always like the, the, the quarter life crisis was strong with with uh, the 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 like older Gen X. Yeah. 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 Yep. And it was also the, um, you know, the fear of missing out on the next hot babe or whatever, you know, it's like, that's, that is very much a nineties thing that, that, that helped, um, you know, like guys in the eighties were just like sleeping around with, with all the hot babes in movies. Right. It's like in the nineties, you had the, you had the, you had to temper that a little bit. And so you made them afraid of, of the, of the commitment and stuff like that. But then, um, so he's got a friend who is <laughs> an undercover cop, which is uh, 
uh, Anthony LaPaglia. And when, when, when he gets to do comedy, and it's rare, but when Anthony <laughs> LaPaglia gets to do comedy, he's always funny. I, I love it. The, the whole, he is, you first see him, they're at this uh, uh, coffee house, and um, Charlie is a poet. Um, although I'm not entirely sure if that is actually his paying job. Right. Right. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Like, how does this guy make money? <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's got health insurance. It's good. It's all fine. Um, he does end up actually working at the butcher shop at least. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, uh, but anyway, um, he is, uh, so it, when you first see him, it's like uh, Anthony Apollo is, is, is dressed up like a pimp like a straight up 70s pimp <laughs> which <laughs> he's, I mean, bear. he's, just, he's bear. just like huggy bear from starsky and hutch we um, find out he actually really loves starsky and hutch he does. <laughs> yes he does <laughs> so he is uh you know and he admits that he is an undercover cop trying to look cool not having any idea of what cool is um and especially at a coffee shop <laughs> with a bunch of beatniks essentially right <laughs> well they're on Kerouac road i found that yes. interesting yeah totally which is funny because he's 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 Ooh. almost so off kilter that he fits in in this yes. place though and and Hilarious. the place is called roads i don't know if you yep. guys noticed that too anyway um so he um this is where we find out it's like you know charlie's is allergic to commitment and um you know like he he always finds an excuse to break up with the girl that he's dating in fact for example pam smelled like soup Um, (laughs) that was the reason why he broke up with her even though there was nothing wrong with her (laughs) um so we also shortly after um find out that there is going to be uh dinner at charlie's parents place to which charlie has to go pick up a haggis now this was the first time i had ever heard of a haggis and even though um there there are strong scottish ties to my family's history um i could have gone a lifetime without knowing what haggis was um (laughs) to which even later charlie says most of uh scottish food is is based on a dare and i kind of believe that (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I um, I uh, actually like haggis. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw that out there. <laughs> when when so, have you? I had no idea what it was. In when I first get it. you can't actually get real haggis in the United States because I believe lamb's lung is an ingredient, and for whatever reason, the FDA prohibits the the sale of lamb's lung. It's, it's, nasty, prob- but- it, it's probably all the smoking that that lambs do. you get you get sick but, but honestly smoking. jeff i you're someone who likes gizzards and weird shit like that so i think you would actually like, like has haggis it's, I, it's essentially just a sausage but, but made up of like sheep's liver heart and oatmeal and like i probably and- would i think it's the presentation of it of it being stuffed into the into the intestine yeah, well, it's just like a sausage. Um, I know, but but you can also get it. You can also get it. Um, usually, it's, it's served uh, like like almost like um, like uh, just just as kind of ground, yeah, sort of meat. Yeah. Um, that's uh, if I if I ever get the chance to go to my work's uh, um, office in in Scotland. I'll say, okay, I'll go, but you better, you better have a haggis ready for me. You, you uh, should try it. I think you'd like it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, so he uh, he goes to this butcher shop and there he meets Harriet, who is played by Nancy Travis, who I had a huge crush on. In fact, I think the fact that I like curly hair on women probably goes back to Nancy Travis of the early nineties. <laughs> um, and uh, so he, uh, he goes over to his parents' house and this is where we get to meet Charlie's father, who is also played by Mike Myers and his little brother, Heed. Um, Heed. <laughs> Ow. This so is Heed. Heed, I think was one of the kids in, um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I'm almost positive. Um, uh, I don't know if he is in that, but he is in almost every Mighty Ducks movie. Oh, that makes yep. sense. He and, one of the um, Mighty Ducks. and as far as Nancy Travis is concerned, of course, I probably the first thing I saw her in was Three Men and a Baby. She was yeah. in that. Um, but the thing I remember her from is Greedy, Greed. which came yeah. out the year after this. Yeah. I That's made sure to watch that movie because of her actually yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah movie's great of course michael j fox yeah and and you also have kirk douglas in there too yes um so yeah uh chuck you want to talk a little bit about charlie's family <laughs> yeah so charlie's dad is like <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about this man he's a lunatic <laughs> he's got a he... scottish wall of fame <laughs> yeah he's got a scottish wall of fame he he basically he yells everything um short of saying it ain't if it ain't scottish it's crap he's basically that character from yes. snl um and he's, he's just constantly yelling at heed who i wonder is his name actually heed or is it head it sounds like he's talking it is calls him head, head because his head is huge right yes but he says say his when he pronounces uh, it heed yeah when charlie walks in he says his name i i think it's william he's like william. oh hi william. hi william hey charlie so yeah. it's, and, it's then just, he, and then you never hear that name ever again. nope it's just his giant head and he's heed yep yeah and he's a he's a man's man too like he calls charlie a pansy basically and says oh yeah go, visit with go talk mom. to your mother yeah yeah friggin Float, pansy the way you wee fairy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's so weird. I, I I forgot that Michael Myers played his dad in this, right? How could you? And, this is the most memorable I, I don't know. Part I don't know why, but I forgot. But I forgot. And um, I mean, I, I, I was kind of kicking myself for that later because it's obvious, right? Especially with the bagpipe scene, which is one of the oh things my I God. most. But, um, but I swear to God, when I first saw him, I thought it was Phil Hartman. And then... I was like, holy shit, that looks like um like if you if Phil Hartman and Al Franken were like playing <laughs> were like playing Mike Myers playing a Scottish version of them. It was like this weird mix of all these SNL characters. It was it was bizarre, but he's <laughs> I, he's hysterical. Like I I this movie so would suffer greatly without Stuart. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that character is the beginning of Mike's Mike Myers playing great characters yeah. in other, you know, like yeah, it's and the it's, first it's, one. It's the proto, also kind of like the proto fat bastard a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say that. Um, it feels like he's testing characters in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, definitely, that became fat bastard. Um, there was 
a lot of which I didn't realize that this came after Wayne's World, but him as himself as Charlie felt like a lot of the Wayne kind of jokes and pranks mm-hmm. kind of crap that was going on in Wayne's world. I'm like, is he just trying out for future movies here? Like, like what's <laughs> going on here? Yeah. It's yeah. like Charlie is a grown up Wayne. If that makes yeah. sense. You know, like, mm-hmm. because he's still making Shaw. Sure. <laughs> well, cause like um, there, are, there are some things later that you can directly like, like when he when he meets Ralph, and then his towel falls off, and he has that face that's a very Wayne face, and then he asks if he's naked. You know, that's and, a gag that that works in Austin Powers that doesn't work in this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that it's just it's it was probably something that just kind of came up in the day. I think what makes it funny for me though is that she grabs his ass. I just think it goes on a little too long and they, they, they really, they really overdo it with awkwardness. Well, and I think that, uh, yeah, and this is is a movie that it's, it is a, um, it it is the timing's off. It's a prototype to what became awkward humor. I think Um, this was kind of the beginning of, Hey, this is something that Gen X likes is this very awkward kind of uncomfortable humor at times and but i don't think it had really fully formed at the time that this movie came out i think i think this was really where we kind of see a lot of it for the first time and yeah what i do what i do like about the ralph scene though is how how deliberately placed it is to throw the audience off yeah and how and just how absolutely dumb it is because when you think about it later it's like what a friend named ralph right <laughs> so yeah let's okay so that that the, it actually all... plays funnier like uh, like in multiple viewings i think right. because of how dumb it is right so <laughs> so at, at the parents house and uh you know while um charlie's dad and uh anthony lapalia are watching soccer and this is where you get a lot of the you know, like the, they want to see a replay of a goal and that's when he sits up and they can't see the TV. And that's, you know, the, 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 the just, just yelling at heed. And then when he, um, when he says something to him about taking the paper to him, um, if, if, he, if he can lift his own head to take, <laughs> to take the, the paper to them. Uh, and then he's like, Oh, I may have overdone it on that one. He's going to cry himself to sleep on his huge pillow. <laughs> and what makes that scene so much funnier is that I honestly believe Anthony LaPaglia is like losing his shit. Like he can't keep it together. And that like a Saturday night live skit. Yeah. Um, right. But he's uh, he, we find out that uh, Charlie's mom gets all of her news from the weekly world news, which is seems so quaint these days. <laughs> That's where <laughs> these conspiracy theories started. Uh, but um, and she's talking about like how there is Mrs. X, who is a, uh, a black widow, essentially, who's gone around the country and killed newly like her her new husband um there was a, yeah basically uh, right after the 
the honeymoon they yep. they disappeared they, they, they disappear and they find and they're they're yeah uh the, the first guy was an uh, atlantic city uh lounge singer the second guy was a russian martial arts expert <laughs> <laughs> and the third guy was a plumber named ralph ralph uh, elliott ralph elliott and so after he starts dating harriet he doesn't realize that little things start to kind of show up. She can speak Russian uh, as she kind of gets catcalled by Russian sailors in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. um, and she basically tells them off in Russian. Um, he, uh, when they go back to her place, she's got a gigantic poster of Atlantic City, which she said she used to live in. Um, he, she has a martial arts like display on her wall. Uh, which is like a uniform and like weapon, like fucking weapons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, after they spend the night together, he's uh, woken up by her screaming the name Ralph in bed to which she said, uh, she's like, he's like, so who's Ralph? And she's like, Oh, she's a friend of mine. To which she's like, Oh, she's a friend of yours named Ralph. She, <laughs> <laughs> but again it's also kind of plays up to what we know about charlie he's trying to find his out you know like you get that impression that all of these things are adding up to him trying to find his out um but uh which is funny because the next morning i think there is an excellent comedy cut in this that i don't think it is what i think it is or what i find so funny about it but it cracks me up every time the next morning, he sees somebody showering. So he's going to get into the shower thinking it's Harriet. While it's Harriet's sister, who's played by Amanda Plummer, who is very scary looking in this movie. She reminds She's scary me- looking in everything. <laughs> she is. She, she plays crazy-eyed really well. Um, she The funniest part of that scene to me is when he, he contemplates whether he should do it or not. Because you can see him thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes right but then when he opens the door he's like oh my god i thought you were somebody else you know and and then he when it, the cut that i love is it smash cuts to what looks like him going under the bed to hide and he's just trying <laughs> to find his shoe yeah <laughs> that kills yeah. me every time yeah. i thought he was trying to go crawl under the bed as well <laughs> i even remember to this day people laughing in the theater thinking that he was going to hide under the bed. Yep. It's just, it's, it's an accidental great comedy cut <laughs> or comedy. edit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then um, he, um, he says something to her sister about how, uh, cause she's like, did she mention me at all? And he's like, no, but she did. Um, mentioned ralph actually she uh screamed ralph or something like that and her reaction to that is actually pretty funny too because she's because it's it's like an awkward thing that you know she knows it happened you know like while they were spending the night together or whatever which is you know just one of those little jokes or a little reaction in this movie but um, well it's also kind of a hint right like right and you know she knows really going on right she knows who ralph is she absolutely knows who ralph is um but at this point we just think that oh you know it's 
whatever you know or or but yes in 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 retrospect you get that hint i mean they deliberately titled this movie so i married an axe murderer so you have a certain preconception the entire time you know right Right. like you know you know what's going on but do you really right is the whole thing um so then um this is about the time that um that Charlie and Tony, uh, it's really important that Anthony LaPaglia is, is, a, is a Italian police officer. Um, we'll get to those beats here in just a moment. Oh, but, God. Uh, but, he, but they decide to go visit Alcatraz because that's what you do in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, apparently they could have spent a Saturday going to Alcatraz to guys who live in San Francisco and have their entire lives. This and is where well, they go to go multiple, talk. They've gone <laughs> yeah. multiple times. Yes, to because Alcatraz. Vicky, yeah. Vicky is great. <laughs> Quote yeah, they know Vicky. He's their favorite. He's their favorite tour guide at Alcatraz. <laughs> I, I could only. Imagine, I wonder if that actually played as funny for people from San Francisco, or if they rolled their eyes. Well, at, it's at that, you know. what I find f- kind of funny because, like, growing up, I didn't know any. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, that's as a sixteen-year-old dumb kid. You know, it's like, yeah, that's where you go. It, you know, it's like you go and hang out at the at the place. Like, if you live in New York, don't you go to the Statue of Liberty sometimes? I mean, it, wouldn't that be where I would go to talk with my I best mean, bud I, about I do my imagine new girlfriend? That most people in San Francisco probably do eventually go to Alcatraz at some point, just because their kids make them go. <laughs> right? Probably, like, yeah, or you have somebody. Somebody visiting, let's go to Alcatraz. It's right. Like, yeah, we're going to do the touristy thing. Absolutely. But if you live there and have your entire life. Yeah, two yeah, guys right. in their you know, late 20s who have been friends forever are, don't just go to Alcatraz like, on a Saturday. <laughs> that's yeah, not telling you. That's where they go and talk about chicks, man. <laughs> they, they certainly do that. Yes, they do. I mean, Vicky is is worth admission, though. Like, if you're yes, going to go on a Vicky tour, sure. you you line it up. That's why you're on a Saturday. It's like <laughs> working. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this is Phil Hartman. Um, his one scene. Every, there's a lot of people who have one scene in this movie, and it's fantastic because they do show up in um, um, Ned's Atomic Dustbin's video for uh, saturday night yeah. oh god they, they made a video for that that's oh, amazing yeah, yeah. That's amazing. it's all scottish themed <laughs> oh god because that's of pretty, course that's yeah. pretty funny yeah um, it's scottish <laughs> and and uh san francisco themed. so like um so um uh kramer uh michael richards is dressed up like a beatnik in the video and uh, yeah it's anyway um so they uh yeah so they go there they're talking about how great uh harriet is and uh <laughs> vicky so vicky is uh is one of the tour guys his uh his, his name is john johnson but everyone here calls him vicky and um <laughs> he's got a story about um which which gangster is it that um Al Capone. Is it also Capone? Was it like uh, I don't remember? I'm pretty sure it's Al Capone, but maybe I'm wrong. Machine Gun Kelly, I think, is who it was. Oh yeah, yeah it's Kelly. You're right. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, you know, he he had what we call in the prison prison business or business a bitch. And so, 
and he's a he's going into like the gritty details of how he basically uh, cut the eyeballs out of his bitch and then pissed in the ocular cavities. At which point, Charlie interrupts to talk more about Harriet. <laughs> to which, to, to which Tony's like, "Shut, shut up." <laughs> Because you do not interrupt a Vicky story. I, um, I know. I love. I love it too. How how he's like. And now I'm going to tell you something that you won't hear from the other from the other tour guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you go. It's this perfect. is why you go. It's perfect. Phil Hartman deadpan too. Oh no, God. Phil Hartman was another one of those. I mean, that's 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 my era of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you know. treasure. Um, if, if if Phil Hartman lived with such tragedy that he didn't, he would be my absolute one hundred percent pick to pick up the Naked Gun mantle. Oh, oh God, yes. Once Leslie Nielsen was gone. Oh awesome. yeah, absolutely. He'd absolutely. Yep. Um, Little aside there. Sorry. No, no, that, that's no, that's. <laughs> Um, just just thinking about that though makes me makes me warm and fuzzy and, and yeah. a little bit poignant and sad yep yeah um so things start to get um things start to get a little uh sideways for charlie and harriet they go to dinner at his uh at his parents to which uh she she gets surprised by charlie's dad and she pulls a kung fu move on him and he likes it. He He's likes like, it. I like this one. Don't let her go. <laughs> After he comes down the stairs with his pants off. Yeah. Heed pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but then Charlie hears about how um, Harriet had lived in these other places. And he sees that weekly world news story about, uh, uh, about Mrs. X on the toilet. Because that's where you read the, the weekly world news, by the way. 100% you read that shit on the, on the crapper. Shit in, shit out, buddy. Yep, that's right. Uh, it, it'll help you go. <laughs> um, but Absolutely. They, um, and so now he starts, now that, uh, that, that uh, paranoia starts to creep in, she makes him a, um, a, a health shake for him to drink to which he thinks he's going to try to poison him. So he backs away from her thinking he's left the room. He's just in a closet and everything falls on him. That's one joke. I do like, I, I do like that one um, because it's also the closet door has his see-through. <laughs> that is a weird closet, right? Like, that is, like every closet. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> um, but then she's, uh, you know, like she, he like apologizes cause he realizes he, you know, his paranoia is getting the best of him, but then she freaks him out again because she starts talking about how it's like, have you ever thought about like when you're standing at the edge of a cliff with someone and you know, if like, if you could just push them, <laughs> it's like, they, yeah. it's like, it starts to get a little, uh, a little, spooky. or I could do anything to you when you're sleepy one thing we do need or when you're sleeping like we trust i'm just talking about trust but one thing to note here is that charlie had told um anthony lapaglia earlier that he has to talk him out of finding a little excuse this time right so when these things start to mount up lapaglia obviously is supposed to be like no asshole that's important for the rest but, of the movie but well, he, he actually works. he actually works therapy yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> he actually ends up making it worse 
and we also skipped over i think we skipped over this the scene what is lapaglia's character name i'm sorry tony. i left the tony Giardino. tony when he's in the police station with yes. alan arkin yeah let, let's um, go ahead and back that up to the because alan arkin yes. is so fucking good in this <laughs> he's at he's like this scene where he's talking and this has come up on a quite a few episodes lately and maybe here in the future not to let the cat out of the bag about the the cop you know that just screams all the time or yeah. the sergeant that just screams or the, the hard ass whatever yeah. right um and lapaglia had watched starsky and hutch he's you serpico. know his he whole wanted idea, to be serpico yes all of his, his ideas about the police force come from film yeah. and he's got this really nice captain played by alan arkin God, and he's that, like can you just once yell at me you, the, the scene nice. where he because he, he's sitting there in uh and he's he, like he's clearly he's clearly bummed out and he's like oh tony what's going on and he sits down like a dad it's like what's bothering yeah. you sport basically oh he's my like, god talks about his existential crisis and his <laughs> existential crisis is about the fact that he's not enjoying being a cop because it's all it's all filling out forms right <laughs> and and then he starts complaining about alan arkin being too nice and then alan arkin <laughs> at the end of it says oh somebody needs a hug <laughs> It's so great. It's like a. It's my favorite scene in the whole it's movie. Wonderful. Combined with the next time they're on the screen together. The, those oh, two, like, every scene those two are in together is gold. It's yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. So back to back to her putting him in whatever a nervous state because she's saying weird shit. Right, and um, then uh, so he decides that he is. Um, going to uh well he finds out that that um the the lounge singer from atlantic city his body has turned up so now he's really starting to put those pieces together and he decides to break up with her to which then um that's the next time we see alan arkin uh together uh, so alan arkin's character is uh, oh it's just tony's captain so tony's captain comes busting into the room and, <laughs> and he starts so yelling good. at him about how it's like i heard you're sticking your nose in the you know in, to other people's cases right and- <laughs> he's so this is like a testament to alan arkin's great greatness because i actually was fooled into thinking he was mad same here it I was didn't like, what's even, going on yeah it didn't even register with me that he was playing the part for okay. tony right yeah yeah because yeah, even completely got me yeah like i was gotten yeah because then he was like uh he's like well what, what what's that all about and he's like well i want to know the news oh you want to know the news well it turns out that the, somebody had confessed to the crime it's like we've got him and it's like he's giving him everything he needs to know but he's yelling it at him like he's angry <laughs> oh the the line from from arkin too was it too much was the the racial slur too much or <laughs> well yeah it's it's paisan not paisan yeah. <laughs> and he's like paisan paisan hey paisan and he's like practicing yeah. for the next time so <laughs> that was Ooh. one of the moments that like i was legitimately like okay that that's awesome like yeah. some more of that in this movie yep they should they 100 should have made a, a cop movie with tony like, oh my god like yeah. completely separate from like an offshoot but yeah, yeah. It, it's such a good concept like such yeah. a great bit 
It's... I also would have watched a feature-length movie with um, La Paglia and um, Charles Grodin. Yes, again. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, because this is by this point in the movie, we do kind of shift away from the as I as I call it, the Mike Myers mugging sort of thing. We we kind of now this is where it really kind of becomes more of a rom-com because he goes back to 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 get Harriet back. Um, and he fails initially, but then he he does his uh, he does his poetry for, and apparently Can I just that say works. It, it's so bad. The poetry in this movie is so bad, and it's pointedly so. I think. Right? It's pointed. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pointed for me the first time. It yeah. works for me the first time. The the line, um, "She stole my heart and my cat." Like, yeah, I've been saying that all day today. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he he even he even like tips his cap to it at this point because he even says this poem this poem sucks (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, Yeah. but that does it he gets her back um they go to the 30th anniversary for uh charlie's parents um which that that line when he's talking about how like when charlie's dad is talking about how um uh you know it's like 30 years ago we both said i do we haven't agreed on anything since that's a great still, line but yeah. the, the even better funnier line it's like and i still love you because it could have been worse yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that and, and we haven't we haven't given enough credit to her, charlie's mom either she's oh brenda Fricker's, movie. oh brenda frickers from uh, my left foot she's uh she was an Oscar nominee, I believe. Yeah, the way she like kisses Tony and oh my all god, that, like, she is all her about thing Tony. for Tony is amazing. She's like smitten by his like his Italian charms, <laughs> which is, it's even funnier because she's probably known him since he was nine. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> it makes like zero sense. Her tongue down his throat, it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, in the in the it's wedding jarring. reception, you really grew up. You just really grew up sexy. <laughs> in the wedding reception, a little bit later, he's got all of her lipstick on the side yeah. of his face <laughs> yep, yep. and he's still it, playing it, it, straight too those are the little jokes i appreciate about this movie and more of why i wish myers would have played it straight. what what i kind I'm of not taking away as, anything from it but yeah no what not, i kind of imagine as is an is an overly affectionate mother who was overly affectionate with her son's friends in, in an appropriate way but that became like this thing where when he <laughs> became you know an adult she was like you're sexy <laughs> yeah yeah that it was so weird and came out of nowhere <laughs> like no no build-up or anything is like this lady's basically raping him yeah yeah it's like yeah. this is not cool i like well, how she has to collect herself after he leaves too yeah the, like, the joke keeps going. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well and uh the other the other little thing that's happening during that every time charlie's dad gets pissed drunk he sings rod stewart we're not there yet hang on a second so uh, so at the at the 30th anniversary uh charlie's like hey i you know uh will you marry me and she's like no (laughs) and he's like please and she's like no it's like you're you're gonna leave or whatever and he's like and he eventually convinces her to uh they they get married 
(laughs) She has a little trepidation at the altar, but she eventually says, I do. And after they're pronounced as, uh, oh, and this is uh, one of those little jokes where she goes in for the big kiss on him afterwards. And of course, Myers does a little leg you know lifts up his her, her 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 delayed yes and the reaction of everyone in the church is pretty funny oh yeah because like <laughs> yes because Stuart he's like hanging on every moment of it yep. yeah <laughs> but then afterwards of course he's like let's get pissed which I say that a lot I used to say that a lot too especially in church too yep oh yeah fuck yeah. especially I, I, next time somebody gets married and i'm in the crowd the moment that happens i'm gonna stand let's get pissed <laughs> oh, i have said that very like, let's, have a, <laughs> let's have a piss up at the bar I'll, i've been known to say yeah, that i've heard you say that yeah. yeah um so they uh so that's when we get uh <laughs> the the uh, piper doing um doing a uh, uh doing rod stewart and uh <laughs> charlie's dad singing if you think i'm sexy or yeah um i think and- that's the thing that i was talking about that everybody who has seen this movie or even hasn't seen this movie knows about this movie is that scene oh is that, uh, is that's accurate we have a piper down yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think or, so. For me, it was the <laughs> look at the size of his head. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, it, it, it's all it's all Charlie's. Yeah, is what yeah. most yep. people remember about this. Um, and <laughs> they uh, there's one last thing about Harriet that would have pegged her as Mrs. X that they <laughs> haven't heard from yet, and that was uh, you know the the lounge singer was known for singing only you in multiple languages to which <laughs> Anthony Lapalia says like, does she even know the lyrics to only you? And he's like, gee, I don't know. We haven't gotten to that all important part in our relationship in which we know each other, whether or not each other knows the lyrics to only you. Uh, but then she begins singing it in multiple languages and the, and the, the reaction to them both turning to her yep. as she's singing yep. it is fucking gold. It's a great punchline to that joke for sure. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then of course she, you know, she has him come over while while she's singing. And of course the whole time he just looks terribly uncomfortable. But he's trying to let it slide. It's like, oh, it might just be a coincidence or whatever. Uh, but her mood begins to shift a little bit as they go off to their uh honeymoon at some beat poet's residence or something. Um and uh she, what was that place and who would who would choose to go there uh, apparently poets um <laughs> apparently and, uh, a 1990s beat poet yeah oh from san God. francisco stay yeah. for a nightcap I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they uh she is worried what we you know she's worried that charlie's gonna uh leave her or you know whatever he is a little weirded out by the fact that she's so quiet. But in the meantime, Tony is working the case. He finds out that <laughs> from Alan Arkin, who screams it at him again, that uh, the woman who confessed to the murder of the lounge singer or Ralph Elliott, uh, it was one of those two. It was either the plumber or the lounge singer. Right. Uh, had com- had also confessed to the murders of... Um, 
uh, of Abraham Lincoln, Warren G. Harding, <laughs> and uh, it's Julius Caesar. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she's a nutcake. And, uh, and that's where, like, at this point, Tony's had enough of this act because now he needs to call Charlie. And it's like, no, shut up. I've had enough. You know, it's like I've had enough of this of this dressing down, basically. And uh, so he has to hurry out there to save Charlie and to arrest Harriet. Right. Meanwhile, <laughs> he also calls Charlie and it's like, hey, uh, yeah, no, it all came back. It's 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 Harriet because he also sent the picture. Around. Saw a picture. He saw a picture of her. Yeah, right. Because he or, uh, confirmed it was her. Right. He said um, the, the guy in. um one of the one of the guys who knew one of the victims said, "Yeah, that's that's her. Her hair was shorter." The the uh, kung fu guy said she gained a lot of weight. Which... Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't know how she would have existed. Um... Did she grow two feet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so they. Uh, so he's. You know, he calls Charlie. To which Charlie is now freaked out. But now he's stuck in this this odd ritual at this place where people who are celebrating anniversaries and people who are newlyweds have to dance with one another. <laughs> San Francisco man that's all I that's all I have to believe that that is um but he uh, they eventually get escorted back to their room for for the honeymoon to which he he offers the bellhop to to come in for a nightcap <laughs> <laughs> the bellhop is is clearly like not comfortable with that <laughs> no. and he's like uh no i'm sure you guys want to you know have have your you know alone time and that's when charlie screams stay for a nightcap and the guy goes ah, and takes off <laughs> so this plays really well here because we know how it ends right kind of she the way she's acting she doesn't want him out of his sight right for a particular reason right. he sees that as her being murderous right. like domineering controlling so it plays really well like the way he reacts to her when they get in the room um this is the good yeah. dark comedy part of it uh, right th this comes across more like a um there were a few movies in the late 70s and the early 80s that kind of played to this a little bit like uh murder by death was one of them that that kind of mm -hmm. was a dark murder comedy yeah. um and you see a lot of that i mean it's it's shot pretty well too because the there's a storm that knocks out the power um oh by the way we've skipped over what's the first mode of transportation that tony takes to get to oh man so great it's, it's, he, he charters a like a prop plane and it's it's piloted by stephen wright which is so great <laughs> Uh, Stephen Wright is all—it's always welcome so whenever perfect. he wants to show up. Yep. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and because he even admits that you know, it's like, oh, I've done this many times, you know, flying basically in a storm. I've never done it at night. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my favorite my favorite is like is like, well, how do you even see in all this? Anthony Paglia asks him. He's like, oh, I have instruments, and he says, he says, really, do you even know what those instruments are? What's what's that? It's like it's the artificial horizon which is even better than the real horizon. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite line there too. 
Well, and of he, course, the delivery is just spot it's, it's, on. It's just perfect. 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 Yep. Do you guys Can't remember? There was a time, I think it was in the 80s. Stephen Wright did a stand up, and I think it was on HBO or something. And he was talking about like memories that he had with his dad, and that he would his dad would take him to the parade. And it cuts to like this black and white footage of the parade. And you see grown up Stephen Wright sitting on the shoulders of a little old man. Watching the parade. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that sounds hilarious. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I can see this. Oh, it's great. I think he even had like a little <laughs> balloon or something. Anyway, um, so he, um, so then when he lands, what's the second mode of transportation to get to the to the hotel or to the bed and breakfast? He wants to finally commandeer a car because so he's great. never gotten to do that. <laughs> so great. Yeah, and he, he said that earlier. I've never even commandeered a vehicle. <laughs> but he gets shut down by none other than Charles Grodin. Mr. Jason and Oliver. Okay, he say, I, happen, I happen to be a lawyer, <laughs> and I know that you can't do that. <laughs> the way he approaches it, too. Sir, I'm going to have to commandeer this car. It's like, no. No. <laughs> Can I please commandeer your car? <laughs> Just so polite about it. <laughs> he eventually talks him into it, though, and he gets to the hotel. And but Grodin has to drive. He Grodin has to give him a ride. He yeah. has to give yeah. him the ride. Just and yeah. the whole time he's like nervously tapping on the uh, on the dashboard, and he's like, um, "What does he say? Something real sarcastic about that." Uh, being his favorite thing, or I think he says something like, "Is this bothering you?" It's like, "No, it's my favorite thing." <laughs> I think that's one of the things that's also really, really memorable about this movie is that you have these kind of obviously cartoonish characters that are interacting with real people, like because there's a scene in the in the 30th anniversary dinner at the Scottish bar where everybody's dressed up like Scotsman. Um, and, you know, like you've got the little old man who's singing, you know, like happy anniversary to them. And, and, and like Stuart's like, shut it. And, and like the guy is still singing or whatever. And it's like, it, there, it's just like this little old guy who has to deal with the screaming maniac Scotsman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um but I think that that's one of the things that really works with this is that you have these obviously comedic characters, almost like they're operating in a real world scenario. And that's where like some of the best comedy comes from. Cause like that, again, it's like Tony is a, is a cartoon cop and Charles Grodin is a real life person who is just not having it. They're just not having it. <laughs> But uh, so inside the so while Tony is trying to rush his way to the bed and breakfast, um, Charlie has locked uh, Harriet in the uh, closet to protect himself. But then he finds the the note that is meant to be left when he uh, supposedly leaves her to which then he starts to kind of put two and he's kind of starting to put some things together. He thinks this is really, really weird and creeping up behind him with an ax as creepy as Amanda Plummer <laughs> who plays Rose. Um, and she, uh, her line about, it's like, you were not supposed to be here when the note was placed. It's like, <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> 
so uh now the now we all the pieces fall together it's the it's not the it's not in it's not harriet it is actually rose who is our uh hatchet woman and uh so to basically escape her he escapes out onto the roof <laughs> where uh as he <laughs> so he's outside she follows uh anthony lapalia shows up unlocks the the closet harriet goes running out thinking oh, we got to go save charlie he's out on the roof he grabs her and handcuffs her and she's like no he's out on the roof he's in danger and you he can obviously hear him screaming but <laughs> yes. he's ignoring oh, it there's there's the yeah, scene where he's on. trying to be like all like badass because the first thing he does to, to calm her down is he shoots into the to the air which almost hits charlie in the nuts as because yes. he's standing right over it and <laughs> later as because charlie like slips off and is like hanging on to the side of the thing and and rose is is axing down trying to like cut his hand off basically meanwhile inside tony is lighting a cigarette like a cool ass cop he's like all right tell me this one more time meanwhile in the background we hear thunk thunk and she's like that's them outside right now and he's like no 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 let me let me take this back for a minute here let's start from the beginning and <laughs> and all the while you can hear exactly what's going on but she eventually convinces him and um charlie's out on the roof he thinks he's kind of basically gotten away from or at least for the moment has gotten away from rose uh tony is now down on the street level basically getting harriet to safety um and harriet sneaks up behind him and is going to hatchet him and he catches the axe and they struggle over it a little bit and she kicks him in the balls and Chuck, what does he do to retaliate? He kicks her in the vagina, I think. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and then she just kind of smiles at him, and then he goes, Yeah. Ooh? <laughs> <laughs> that, that same joke is later played in Beer uh, Fest. Yes. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it's just as funny in that scene, too. Uh-uh. <laughs> 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 But he eventually uh, knocks her off the roof, uh, which basically uh, Tony has to like catch her from falling and bring her inside and arrest her. And ha- and uh, Harriet and Charlie live happily ever after. The end. The end. We didn't uh, talk about the other nut shot, did we? On the roof as he's running away from Rose. Oh, yeah. He slides down and hits the pipe. (laughs) (laughs) It is there for what feels like three minutes of screen time as he's groaning, like, while running from Rose. Well, yeah, because it was was when she flung the axe at him, and and it, like, hit right in front of him, and then he let go, and then he hit that little pipe. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I... I really, really love this movie. I know it has problems. I know it's not for everyone. I know it doesn't necessarily age well because it is. It, like I said, it, it does kind of almost begin a bad trope with Saturday Night Live actors who kind of go on. They get vehicles just to do all of their worst jokes to the camera. 
um, <clears throat> Will Ferrell. Um, but we, I, I, I still very much, every time I watch it, I just, I, I picture myself 16 years old again. I saw it the first time. And then I like went and told my buddy Dan about it. And we went the next night and saw it. And I saw it for a second time with him. And it was, it's just, it's, it's terribly nostalgic for me. My only real issue with this movie, and we didn't talk about it much, if at all, was the music. I they played "There She Goes" like thirty nine hundred times. <laughs> well, that's... it just they played spit. They just played bad music. It was poor choices. I know they I... were big hits at the time, but they're not timeless songs. Even well, I think that I think some of that is. I think some of that is just that's the early 90s of it. It's, all of it is poor choices. If you watch singles as early 90s, that all that music well, uh, no, for I was the most part say, lives on. Well, and I was going to say it probably is trying to follow up with something like singles, even though singles wasn't that big of a hit either, except for it's not going to play grunge music for this movie. It's going to be a little bit. Popular. I mean, it doesn't have to be grunge, but it, it was just the music is just bad. Most of it. Sorry. That's my thought. Yeah. The there she goes being the first two songs we hear like <laughs> one after they're like, really? They're doing this again. Yeah. Like, was it an inside joke or it didn't feel like it? If it was trying to be funny with it, it, it did not land. This rem it reminded me of like the old Italian films that only had the rights to one song and you hear it over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And sometimes those are good and like catchy. Sometimes they're not. And this one just, I don't know. Well, big audio dynamite was in here. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. I, I mean, can't hear you, Jason, Jason, you're muted. Maybe. Yeah, he is. I am. Damn. Um, yeah, I liked I liked the uh, the big audio dynamite song. I liked that song a lot, and I liked the way it was used in montage that worked really well in the butcher shop scene. Yep. Um, and I and I actually when they play the original Saturday Night with Michael Meyer, when they introduce you to Stuart. Oh yeah, the uh, Bay City Rollers version. That that is really fun, uh, and it gives you the perfect entryway entry point into. Shut into up. Big yeah. city rollers, yeah. but uh, game's about to start. And I actually like <laughs> the song. There she goes. All the versions of this song. There's more than there's more than like probably a million. But um, but yeah, I, I do think it's like a, let's choose something else here. Well, is, I think like I, the, I, the theme is this the. I think yeah. it was meant to be. I mean, it, it, it is ultimately played because it's also played as an instrumental too, which is really I think meant to be the light motif for her uh, or their relationship one or the other but um yeah i mean i can i can understand that I, this was a soundtrack that i bought immediately and i listened to a ton when i was 16 um because there's a good uh, i think there's a good uh let me pull it where's that here I was probably still listening to the top. I mean, I don't. Soundtrack. I mean, I don't think that the soundtrack is terrible. I just think the, uh, is is odd. Um, yeah. and it's strangely shoegaze. Like it, it really leads into some shoegaze. Like the Boo Radleys, Suede, um, even the Atomic Dustbin, who are kind of shoegaze for their day. So that's kind of a strange choice. Um, so the, it just, it just uh, feels 
little all over the place, I guess. And then you got the the fucking spin doctors, you know, and it's oof, like what what is that just because the song was popular or I don't think the song I, I think the song became popular afterwards. I think it was just hey, uh, sell this because it might have even been. It was released as a single in 1993, peaked at number one, peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. So I think it was it was already popular. Um, um, well, hang on anyway, a second here because weird, if it weird was, soundtrack for sure. Yeah, because like I like the uh, like the um, there's like a Toad the Wet Sprocket song on here. There's uh, Soul Asylum who showed up on soundtracks all over the place, and because the next year they were on the Clerk soundtrack. Isn't it just Dave Perner? On this one, not Soul no, Asylum. It's Soul Asylum. It is Soul Asylum. Yeah, because then because they showed. I mean, up he's on... the singer. I just thought it right. was a solo. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it, that's... Was... But yeah, I'm that okay was Soul Asylum. That was like Soul Asylum was always the one where it's like, oh, I like this song in this movie, but I never really bought an album of theirs. <laughs> you know, it's like I I always had soundtracks like this or like Clerks that they were on, and it's like, oh, this is one of the, you know, this they is... were about as close to the pop sound of what we'll call it grunge you don't right it's just a large term but that's just as close to the the pop versions of that stuff that i liked was soul asylum i agree i can deal with this on the other side of them was it went too far when it went too far like uh soul asylum gone out of control was collective soul (laughs) and goo goo dolls goo goo dolls was exactly what i was gonna say the goo goo dolls are on the other side of that and i yeah yeah hate the goo goo dolls (laughs) yeah i hate hate both those bands Um, (laughs) there's a guy i used to work with his favorite band let me see he's six years younger than me his favorite band is the goo goo dolls why i don't get it i don't i would i would have rather have understood i would rather you said that his favorite band was matchbox 20 I could at least understand that as a young know nothing. <laughs> what if I came in with his favorite band as the Boo Radleys? I would have been like, Yeah, oh. Boo Radleys. <laughs> Hell yeah. There <laughs> she goes again. But uh, no, I mean, like, I get it. I think. I mean, the Boo Radleys didn't suck. They were. They were I didn't like that. I don't like that version of the song. I really didn't. I, I, that's fine. But the Boo, Boo Radleys were, were a pretty popular UK band. Yeah. 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 And I just think that. Um, I, I think that probably my appreciation of the soundtrack comes from my overall appreciation of the movie. Again, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, why do I, you know, it's like, I, I, I like all of the bond themes. Some of them are songs I wouldn't like if they weren't a bond theme, you know, but they're associated with something that I love. And so you know, we talk about that again at the end of the month with with Madonna, but um, I yeah I I don't know I mean like I I'm not gonna apologize for you know for my love of the soundtrack I don't give a shit you guys can suck it you never should never <laughs> yeah. should you cannot you cannot account for taste and that and this is kind of one of those movies that is and I think that like like we had said this is one of those movies that fits a very very specific um a very specific range of age groups if you're too young it's it's not quite it probably won't hit for you if you're older it's not going to hit for you but if you're if you were 15 to 25 when this movie came out you probably really like this movie well joe that you're a good uh, barometer of this because you said you never fully saw it back in the day what did you think of it overall um, watching it now? Did you like it? 
Um, I would say I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I could see that there were there were moments. I could see where you would like it. If I saw it younger, I probably would have liked it a lot more. But being older, I'm kind of seeing like, okay, this didn't make any sense. What's like the 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 weird two movies going on thing that we talked about earlier didn't know how to take itself is it going to be more slapstick kind of quirky is it going to play it straight that was really jarring to me right um just how how everything came together um there are definitely definite moments where i'm like okay that's that's really funny like we just need more of that kind of um, thing throughout not bad but just not not a great movie. Yeah. Um, just to kind of um, go back to some of the, uh, some of that casting. Um, so initially, uh, so yeah, Mike Myers was asked to play Charlie because of Wayne's world. Um, he liked the script. Um, and, you know, because he, he could relate to the whole fear of commitment because he said a lot of his friends had that too. Um but the and but before that it went through woody allen which would have made the character a jewish person instead of a scottish family person um but then uh people like albert brooks martin short but if possibly the most uh obvious of everybody Chevy Chase was offered a movie at one point and Chevy Chase is 1 million percent. One of those I'm from Saturday night live. I'm just going to do shit to the camera and you're going to film it and shut up. Um, and that's because I would say if anybody was at all like Chevy Chase in their film career, it would be Mike Myers more than anybody. Probably um, Chevy Chase never, never seemed to really like I, Chevy Chase made some good movies. He also made some really, really, really bad movies because he was Chevy Chase. <laughs> um, but that doesn't surprise me at all. At one point in time, Sharon Stone was signed on to play Harriet. Huh. Um, I wouldn't have and, that at all. Well, here's the here's here's the thing. At one point in time, it was Mike Myers and Sharon Stone. And because Mike Myers was going to play his dad, she wanted to play both Harriet and Rose. Oh, weird. Yeah, I don't that think that would have that would not have worked. I do not think so. No. So uh, yeah, and I and I have a feeling also uh, all of a sudden this movie got to be very very expensive, and it probably was not something that Columbia TriStar was interested mm. in in doing. Yep. Um, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on this? None for me. No. No, it's fun. This is one that if it's on TV <laughs> and I'm flipping channels and looking for something to do and it's on, I'll probably watch it. Um, I would stop every time. Absolutely. This is the ultimate little things movie. This movie is is has all the little things, and those little things are the things I like. Fair. Um, Feels like we go out on that. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I like little. I like little things. Um, so, Chuck, you're up next. What's what's next on this guilty pleasures month? Next, we're gonna head on down the road to a little roadhouse road on the house. side of a country road um, with Dalton as he tries to clean up uh, the double deuce. Patrick Swayze in 1989's Roadhouse. That's what's next. That's what you asked me, right? Yes. <laughs> this, is, um, this is the this is the crown jewel of the month, in my opinion. For, for me, it definitely is. Um, it's it's one of those movies that is inexplicably perfect. It shouldn't be, <laughs> and yet it is. Um, I'm really it, looking forward to talking about this. Yeah, it's sure. going to be good. It's going to be good. So, um, yeah, uh, Wednesdays. That's when this show happens. That's the uh, that's the that's the that's the film seizure show. Um, as Chuck said, next week is the Roadhouse, so be there. You can go over to Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us there. That way, you know when these episodes happen. You can you can find out. You can be right there. Um, also, uh, you can also find out when my show on Mondays, Monster Mondays, happens. This week, I am talking about the Uncanny. It's a uh, revenge flick with cats, and that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, so do those follow things. You can also find the show and both shows, Film Seizure and Monster Mondays, uh, on various uh, places like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Audible. We even upload the stuffs to youtube so you know subscribe to us in all of those places just be inundated have your inbox just flood with film seizure goodness creamy film seizure goodness yeah yeah Yeah. um this friday i uh continue my lena romay month at at, uh, bmovieenema.com with symphonia erotica that is another Marquis Desaad movie. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Does that yes, translate to Boner Symphony? Yes, Boner Symphony. Okay. <laughs> Sign me up, bud. Yeah, right. Or you go over to bmovieanima.com, read about it, read all about it and stuff. Um, yeah, so next week, be here for uh, Roadhouse. Uh, Joe, I hear uh, you will be uh, riding with us and uh, probably picking up a couple of brewskis at the uh, old Double Deuce. We better. Yeah, I... I, uh, I, I plan on throwing a stop sign through Joe's car window. So. <laughs> I plan on making all three <laughs> <Thank> of... <you. laughs> I plan on making all three of you my regular Saturday night thing. <laughs> so I plan on ripping all of your throats out. Oh no! <laughs> I thought all three of you would were, would have been bigger, but <laughs> find out what all this means next week. Yes, during the indeed. Roadhouse episode. All right. So until then, uh, Joe, we will see you next week. My name is Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Chuck Moore. Oh yeah, I'm Jason Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> he, I was waiting for Joe. Finish now. <laughs> You've been listening to Film Seizure. You stole my heart and my cat. <laughs> <laughs>